Hello, everybody. Paula Siskanik here from Catholic Homeschool Conferences and the Catholic Homeschool Community. I'm just so happy to have you here with us, um, Maureen. In typical fashion, we love computers here. It's a love kind of hate relationship because Maureen's having some difficulty. And so I thought, okay, let's just get started. We'll start praying and maybe that will help us <laughs> to get her in here and her computer fine um, because you really just don't want to miss all the wonderful advice that Maureen can give us. So um, let's begin with one of my most favorite prayers. Okay. And this prayer is uh, one that my daughter wrote for me in a one of those meltdown sessions I was having and she put it and I keep it by my bedside. She put it in a laminated little card so that I always have it with me. It is St. Teresa's bookmark. So I invite you all into prayer in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Let nothing disturb you. Nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. I'd like to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon this conversation to help us, to help all of you, um, to also come with a thankful heart, thankful for the opportunity to speak with you, and um, thankful for the time we have together. I'd also like to thank um, the Blessed Mother, um, this is just all these beautiful feast days we're being surrounded by, and in particular, St. Joseph, as we just got announced, the year of St. Joseph, yay! <laughs> so, um, Maureen, see the yes. prayers. Thank you, thank you for all praying with me, and we ask all these things through Christ's name, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Yay, Maureen, glad you're here. The so, I don't want to assume here that everybody really knows who we are. We've known each other for like, you know, 25 plus years. Yes, way back when. <laughs> when we, when we, we were, were homeschool newbies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now both of us grandmas are rejoicing in that season of life. So it's just an honor and a privilege to spend time here with you, with Maureen. So Maureen, why don't you give us a little that quick intro to hey, Ron, give people Ron, who you are, and I'll do the same and follow up. Go ahead, Maureen. Yeah, I'm Maureen Whitman and a homeschool mom of seven. Actually, I'm no longer a homeschool mom. <laughs> I'm a homeschool grandma. I just graduated my youngest uh, this last May. So uh, 25 years of homeschooling, loved it. And I'm so glad that I'm able to enter this new season of my life where I can just give fully of myself to help all those homeschool moms, um, just as those seasoned moms helped me at the beginning of my journey. So, and I get to help my son and my daughter who are both homeschooling their children. So um, just such great joy. And I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. Great. Thanks, Maureen. Um, I'm Paula Siskanik and also a wife, a mom of seven kids myself too. And I graduated my youngest about two years ago. Um, I have 
just married our third child, my first uh, daughter. I have uh, three grandchildren. And just as Maureen has said, you know, it's really been an I think an honor to homeschool my kids. You know, I really had all those years to be very close to them. But also during that time, um, my husband and I had a business called Emanuel Books. Uh, we were very privileged to work with so many great curriculum providers, um, with people like Maureen and Homeschool Connections. We worked, um, I got to know uh, so many of the programs, so many thousands of families through that it was just an honor and a privilege, but it gave me kind of that world view, big, huge, wide vision of, of all sorts of what homeschooling looked like, what it looks like. And ultimately it really looks like individually what's best for your family. And I think that's kind of a good segue here into these top tips, you know, cause Maureen, I remember so distinctly, you know, and, and I have to confess I was actually having a meltdown about a couple of hours ago. And one of my daughters talked me off of it because I'm thinking, great, I have to talk about all these top tips of how to not get overwhelmed at this season. And here I am not even homeschooling and I can't even keep true to this. So it was really a great gift to be able to go through and remind myself, just like the cobbler yeah. whose kids go shoeless, you know, here I am talking about homeschooling. <laughs> And that's, that's really actually one of the first things I want to say about this is that, you know, don't be so hard on yourself because, you know, things that did work, sometimes we forget. We actually need to go back to base one on, you know, those those things and say, oh, yes, that's right. I remember what why I'm getting, de you know, all stressed out. Um, so, Maureen, I was going to go through uh, one of the most popular articles I've had on my blog. Um, I do homeschooling consulting. And it's kind of like uh, those families that I consult with will probably recognize these tips, but I'll go through, they're just like four tips, jump in any minute, you know, Maureen. And then we want to quickly get to questions because we have a lot of people that have um, been submitting questions to us. So, yeah. Um, so when we talk about, you know, the end of the year, okay, this is the end of the um, calendar oh. year. Yeah, it's also the end of a semester. And I would have to say that many families, and especially like when Maureen, you and I got to the point where you have some kids in college, and then there's some families who are homeschooling, um, maybe only the grade school kids. So you tend to follow the school year calendar, but that does not mean you have to follow the school year right. calendar, correct? So this is a really good break point to, to pause, to reflect, and isn't it great that it's Advent? You know, I mean, I, I, the word that's been resonating for me these days has been the word ponder, ponder and reflect. And so with that, I want to say my first top tip is that love always wins. And when I talk about love, I'm really talking about the source of all love, love as the person in Jesus Christ. And, and I couldn't always make it to adoration. I couldn't always make it to daily mass. But one of the gifts um, I got years ago was the book from Vinnie Flynn. You know, this, have you ever read it, Maureen? The Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. And he talks about spiritual communion. And yeah, that was like my husband has read it. Beautiful think, yeah. gift for me yeah. that it was like, yes. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. And then, um, so I really want to encourage people to say that, you know, 
Jesus is always available in that sense. You can make a spiritual communion. Do try to. Did you lose me? I did. I lost you for a minute. Was that me? Okay. Am I back? Hello. (laughs) I thought it was me. No, it was me. Oh my gosh. This is great. We need to ask St. Isidore to pray for us, a patron saint of the internet. Okay. This is going to be one of these challenging times. Okay. So talk quicker, Paola. Quickly get them in. (laughs) Can you talk faster? (laughs) I don't know. Can I do it faster? I'm a New Yorker. So the second tip is really write things down. At this point in the semester, what I would usually do is write up a list for each one of my kids and say, look, this is what you have to do and literally hand them that list. Um, Sometimes it's good to just brainstorm and say, okay, what's everything I want done? And then pare it down to just three, three things that you know reasonably you can get done. And then give yourself permission to say, I got to let go of the rest. Because then um, the third thing I come up with is get on the no train. It's this idea that if I'm going to, you know, we got all these wonderful things we want to do with the kids during Advent. If I want to layer in special liturgical celebrations, I need to remove something from their day. I want to make sure that I'm not adding more of a burden. I'm actually making it a doable, reasonable level of work to do. And, and if you have find if you find all of a sudden you have extra time, you can add that back in. But yeah, generally speaking, add one, take one away. <laughs> That's exactly. a really good rule you're going to hear from any any uh, seasoned homeschooler, right? <laughs> exactly. The well hard said, way. Yeah. Add too much then in. The thir- that fourth fourth top tip is to celebrate the wins, yes. and that's really about um, remembering that that there's a lot of good stuff that happens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, am I, can you guys still hear me here? Yep, oh, you're going on? good. We hear you. Um, um, I know. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. Cause it's saying things anyway, but I wanted to say there was um, a really nice tip I got from a fellow homeschooler that had said, you know, she suggested that you actually at the end of the year meet with your kids one-on-one. And when you meet with the kids, you actually go through this like little prompt of just saying, okay, what worked? What did you feel really, really great about? What wasn't working? You know, is this something that we need to change up? And then, you know, what are you looking forward to as you go into the next semester? So really involving the children, I think is a great way. One is do it on a one-on-one because you can never have enough of that one-on-one time with your children. They grow up, right, Maureen? But they also, it's a way for them to get to know your heart and for you to know their heart. I I give that all the time, you know, make sure you're meeting with your kids one-on-one, make sure that they are um, a part of your planning process, um, a part of the decision-making, you know, make sure you're hearing their concerns. Uh, I think that's really vital to a successful homeschool is, is not just telling them what to do, (laughs) but really sitting down and have a discussion. And like you said, one-on-one, especially with teens, with teens, I would make it special and maybe, make hot chocolate or their favorite breakfast or pastry or yeah. whatever. And and once a week you had, you have that scheduled time for us. It was at the coffee shop today. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard 
<laughs> Can't go to yes, it is a little hard right because we used to go to <laughs> daily mass and, and especially I have three sons that are the three oldest and each one would take a turn. They were actually every Friday, they would help fathers serve mass, you know, yeah. as altar servers. Uh, can't do that now. But then we would follow it up with, um, you know, quick breakfast at the diner. And yeah. and that was precious memories for me, but it, it was a time to have conversation. And, and usually things were discussed that you couldn't discuss in front of everybody else. And, and it really did help to form that bond between yeah. us. Yeah. And, and it is about honoring their individuality. Yeah. You know, their, their strengths, making sure that you're dialing that into the curriculum. So um, Maureen, we got a bunch of questions and I want to dive right in because I, I you're ready. Ready for the questions, Maureen? <laughs> okay, good, good, good. It's great. So let's let's tackle this one that Nicole had written in. She has um, four kids here. I said, well, she may have more children, but as far as school, it's second, third, and sixth grade. She says her days seem to drag on until dinner time. Life's always happening. Um, she's doing her best. Um, she's thrilled to be homeschooling. Yay, great but doesn't have much time to collect herself, you know, catch up with her husband, grading, finding free time. I'm assuming it's because it's my first year, but I don't see things getting better. My kids are unschooling. I have no idea what's best while we're all in transition. How do I avoid burnout by finding my way? And this is a good time to recoup for that. You got some suggestions, yeah. Maureen? Um, you know, I'm wondering if she has too much on her plate. It kind of sounds like that to me when she says, you know, that, um, you know, she's feeling, you know, like she's under underwater a little bit. So I'm wondering if she has too much on her plate, kind of going back to what you said at the beginning, is there something she can take off or delegate to someone else, um, you know, focus on what really needs to be done and then what you would like to get done, the ideal, but if that doesn't get done, it's okay. Um, maybe delegate, um, are her students old enough to start self-grading? A lot of my, what I do with my kids, daily work, they self-graded. So for example, if they're doing Saxon, I didn't grade that every day, you know, only grade the tests because self-grading, it helps them to see, oh, I made this mistake. You know, it gets them in the habit of being dependent learners and, and looking for their mistakes and trying to improve. So then when they do the test that you grade, <laughs> um, that, you know, they're prepared for that. Um, you know, she may even want to look into hiring a mother's helper. I don't know if you can do that with the pandemic, but that is something I did for a few years when I start feeling, you know, a lot of what she's saying, I was feeling that same way. And it was just a little homeschool girl down the street. And she just came and played mm -hmm. with the kids while I got work yeah. done, you know, so I maybe the just same taking thing. the kids outside. Yeah. Or, you know, doing yeah. a project with them, doing a science experiment, but let someone else. Great. Yes. Yeah, yes. It was always great to have. We had neighbors' kids and that were young and enthusiastic and just loved my kids. And it was a way for me to breathe and be able to. And I find also yeah. the things like I may not have had the patience to do the craft kits with all the kids, right. but somehow this, you know, 13 year old <laughs> that came. Oh, and, and I had both a boy babysitting kit with. Yeah, she, it was amazing. Yeah, she had like, yeah, because I am not a craft person, but she was. Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. You know, maybe there's a mom you can trade with. You know, I had a mom, she was real artsy. I'm not artsy. I taught her kids history. She taught my kids music and art. So, yeah, it's another idea. 
Yeah, that is an idea. That brings me to that idea of outsourcing what you can. And it's kind of like getting getting stock of yourself saying, uh, what is it that I really, really want to do? I don't want to outsource, but what are the things that I really can outsource? And that even gets to the point, I, I, I know a mom, again, who it was things like even just the time to go grocery shopping, you know, delegating out certain things that they ended up changing the day they did it, or they use the pickup service. So any of those things, you know, you have non-negotiables that mommy needs to do, but then there's things that you really could outsource. And it's really get creative about that and be true to yourself. I know Walter put in a comment, he gives his wife a night night off. And that's her chance to get caught up with grading and planning. And I did the same. My husband, yes, God bless him, Larry, would give me, and I would do once a month was I got a Saturday that I literally was my day. And because I'm the kind of person that is a planner by nature, good and bad (laughs) to be a planner, (laughs) but you, so I did not want that stress of never knowing where things were. And it was really important to me for my own self-knowledge was that I needed to have a regular time each month that I knew, okay, the first Saturday of each month, that's my day. I can just pull out, you know, make copies of the pages I need, make adjustments, do um, some, some uh, grading. And I think uh, we'll talk a little bit about that too in terms of people asking what kind of records to keep. Right, right. The end of the but year, I think that's a really so. excellent tip. If you have a spouse who's supportive and who can do that or whose work schedule allows for it, my husband did the same thing. Saturdays, he would take the kids and that was my time to have space, right? And for mm-hmm. me, I was just happy to use that time to plan or grade or just because once it was done, I felt so good, yeah. you know, to have that yeah. done. And but didn't um, you find that, also you need to adjust? I mean, that's part... Yeah, part of that. No, I'm not behind, you know, it helped me not because once you get behind, it's hard to get caught up sometimes. And so, and, you know, and a lot of times he either took them to the library or, you know, when they got a little bit older, he took them to adoration. And I, one of my daughters told us, shared with us recently that that was probably the best thing that we did for our kids was to take their dad, taking them to adoration on Saturdays, even though they were little, little, um, taking them there was just so coming up with these creative 30 somethings and 20 somethings they still appreciate so so coming up with a creative idea that ended up helping you had like a, a you know a ripple effect of really helping them to have that spiritual relationship with Jesus and with their father that's with their cool dad. so <laughs> important for kids to have dad time so whether it's adoration or it's going to play ball at the park or the library or having lunch. Yeah. Dad time's so important. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to get to Easter's question. She, she has three boys, nine, 10 and 13. Great. Congrats Easter. And I see she has two questions for us. And one of them I know I got from the group was this kind of thing of, you know, um, the first one was any ideas, which planner to use for grading homework and record keeping. So let's get into like a real practical question. You've got some favorites yeah. or tips, Maureen, on that? Well, you know, it depends on what you want. So if you want something online, um, I know there's some free ones out there. And, and one I like that's online is Scholaric. So um, it's Scholaric.com. That's S-C-H-O-R. I'm sorry, S-C-H-O-L-A-R-I-C. You can put it in the um, yeah, I'll type commu- it in. We're going to put links 
uh, in the replay. So if we quote all these things, don't worry about having okay. to grab them down. Okay, so, so Maureen, you give that yeah. to me. Yeah, so it's perfect. It's created by a Catholic homeschool dad. So it's an online um, record keeping and planner. So um, that's what I liked and that's what I used. Um, mm -hmm. I also love um, Margot Davidson has catholicplanner.com. Yeah. Um, I, my adult kids, I they all love that planner and that's what I get them for Christmas every year. I loved it for myself. Um, it's not really a, is uh, it digital Maureen or just, it's not, just paper? A paper planner. Okay. And a, great. So I like the small one that would like fit in my purse. Um, and then she has the bigger one. Uh, so, you know, that's one option. I like it because yeah. it's so Catholic. It has all the readings and, and the liturgical colors and, and, <laughs> you know, holy days. Yes. yes. So that's what I loved about it. Well, um, I saw really. a review on Jen McIntosh, who does yeah. wildflowers and marbles, um, uh, which has been one of our speakers, and she did a review of it. And then even Margot does a demo of that planner in the um, yeah on the homeschool directory. So it's just yep. if you go to our main website where we have, we call it the exhibitor hall, it's really a directory of all sorts of Catholic businesses. But I just added that question to the community and it was really nice to see such a, a grouping of different planners. So Easter, I'd recommend looking up and seeing what works for you. You know, for me personally, I've gone to something that's called a bullet journal and a bullet journaling. You can just Google that and from the guy who invented it. And it's more like a rapid fire way of just getting your thoughts out. And yeah. then each month you spend some time in reflection. And then for the kids, what I used to do was just, I created the first week of school, just kind of an outline Monday, you know, just a grid on an Excel when my kids are like sixth grade and up. So Easter, you have bigger kids. Um, around sixth grade, what I would do is have them keep their own planners and their own schedules. Yeah. So I would just give them what I expected them to do for the week. So, you know, math, five lessons, you know, your novel, get through five, you know, three chapters this week, um, do these spelling words. So just a big general plan for the week. I would give that to them in just one sheet, and then they would get planners either on the computer or a paper one, and they had to map out their week. It, it was twofold. One is I'm starting to model and teach them time management. And two was they had to own their time. So in the first month we start doing it, you know, my kid would say, oh, sure, I can finish, you know, on a, you know, a, a book that's 500 pages in one sitting. Obviously that's unrealistic. So we would talk that out, <laughs> but it was a way uh, for us to really start working on them, that self-knowledge of how do I work best? Do I work better in batches? Do I work better little bit each day? And some subjects you, you do, you know, like a language, you may need to do it every day. Math, we know they the subjects build on each other, but other subjects we, and depending on their grade, they would do it once a week and, and they might bang through three lessons to do that. So, you know, and Elizabeth in the chat brings up a good point. She says, I don't keep track of grades for grade school or junior high. And quite frankly, I didn't either because we were shooting for mastery, right? Everyone gets an A because <laughs> we don't move on until they master it. So we didn't, I didn't really start keeping grades. So I needed to, because I had college bound kids. 
So I had to create a transcript, but no, I'm, I'm with you, Elizabeth. I, I didn't either. And you don't need to keep track of every single grade, right? You need a final grade. <laughs> Think about your last day of high school back in the day. And um, right, there's papers all over the parking lot because these kids just empty out there of their folders. You don't have to save every little piece of paper and every little grade. You know, keep those main things. And you may need to do that depending on where you live to show that your children are learning and advancing. So maybe finals, midterms and finals, you know. Yes. Yeah. I know Susie Lloyd. Hi, Susie. Glad you're here. Um, oh, hi, she, yeah, yes. <laughs> she said that she doesn't set grades uh, in stone until high school. And it's true that I, I should, you know, I'm, gl- I'm so glad you brought that up because I think, especially if you're coming from a school environment and you're transitioning to homeschool, you may think you have to replicate that exactly the same. And it really isn't. It's really about making sure there's like mastery of things. You know, it's not just ticking off boxes and saying, yeah, we did 20 pages in this workbook. Well, if they didn't understand what they were doing, it may take five days to get through one sheet in the workbook. And that's, that's not something, you know, you necessarily uh, can grade in that typical school classroom way of thinking about grading. Um, One of the other things I did too, was just keep a file folder uh, for each kid. And as you said, as those things come up, certain milestones, you know, they just, I plop them into that file folder, especially for my high school kids. You know, it was the tests, it was key papers. So then this way it was all in one place. So great. Um, Easter also asked about Maureen, how to get the balance between taking care of me and teaching the three kids. I feel bad if I leave them to do Classwork when I really need to do mass or get energy or just, you know, stay sane. <laughs> so, right. yeah. What about mommy me time? How do you do that? You should not feel guilty about going to mass. Let me just say that. <laughs> Leave that guilt at home. Do not feel bad about going to mass. You need that, you know. Um, you know, and your kids need that. You need to be fed spiritually um, in order to feed them, right? It's kind of like when we go when you fly, my husband and I were talking about this just the other day and um, right. And before you fly, they give you the instructions. And if the, the cabin loses oxygen and the little cat, the little masks come down, you have to put it over your mouth first and then the child, because if you're not getting oxygen, you can't help them, you know, feed your spiritual self so that you can feed your children. So don't feel guilty, you know, and, and like I said, like we said at the beginning, go back to, have your husband or mom or sister or someone take those kids for a day to, so you can have a day to yourself, you know, yeah. and get caught up or do whatever it is you need to do for you. Right. Yeah. Right. And that gets back to also the, the saying, you know, the tips I was talking about again, centering on your prayer life. You know, it really does. It really does make a difference. I got this cute little framed needlework thing from our Christmas bazaar years ago. And it says, if your day isn't hemmed in prayer, it's most likely going to ravel, (laughs) unravel, you know, and it's true. I find things, you know, where is your center of gravity? And it is about taking care of yourself, not in a selfish way, like for vainglory, but it's, it's really to center yourself back on, on Christ, on, on who you're living for, you know? Um, I used to have a really good friend many years ago and she had um, homeschooled for a good number of years and quit to go back to work as a school teacher in a high school put her kids in school. And I asked her uh, one day, Lori, what, 
what do you miss most about homeschooling? And she said, the prayer life. She said, there's something about homeschooling that brings you to your knees. And um, her prayer life just really suffered once mm-hmm. she stopped homeschooling. So yeah, wow. I really encourage you to pray with your kids, but also have that time. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's even, um, some people are just need exercise, physical, just going for a walk, you know, so it's heart, mind, soul, that whole thing. And, and being able to take time off and take, taking a break for yourself, just giving yourself permission to do that. All right. Let's get to some of these other questions. Okay, Maureen, we have one from, um, so, um, we have one from Sherry and Sherry says with all that we lost in terms of outside activities, how can we make each day week special at the end of the year? Now that we haven't, we're kind of closed in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The pandemic's really made this hard for us, hasn't it? Um, You know, we talked a little bit before about sitting down with your kids and and that's a good, I think that's good advice here too. Sit down with your children, ask them what they'd like to do to make the end of the year special. You know, maybe it's having mom time and baking Christmas cookies or um, discovering new Advent traditions. I just saw there's this cute little, um, YouTube channel, Catholic mom and daughter. And they just did one. The daughter's a teenager. She's, I don't know how old she is, 16, 17, and talked about um, Advent traditions that they've done over the years. And um, yeah, maybe it's doing a service project for your, for your parish or a local homeless shelter or, or something, but I would sit down and talk about it with the kids and see where that goes. Yeah. Even my, uh, my young adult kids, we, we did. It was really funny because, again, there is something very different this year. Absolutely. I, yeah. You know, again, we, we had these traditions. And there were times we would put up the Christmas tree. You know, well, it is up now because we felt like we needed it. We needed yep. Christmas now. And, and that, I think that's what we have to be a little bit open to is that, you know, it's definitely um, – feeling very different this year. And as a result, that means it's an opportunity and that opportunity is to get closer with our kids. I, so yeah, same thing. My kids, yeah. they came up with a list and said, you know, what are those things, those traditions, those events that really uh, you love most about Christmas and, and can we do them? And, and it really turned out to be some of the things that are very family oriented, as you said, things we don't need to go out and do, you know. Sometimes um, those memorable moments are things like going for walks. Yes. You know, like my daughter remembering going to adoration for me, uh, going fishing with my dad. Those are my uh, most cherished memories. So right. it can be something very simple, like exactly making That's time great. for a walk. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is never, um, you know, as a mom, we tend to feel like, okay, we got to invent and do everything. No, you know, I mean, one of the best gifts you can give your kids too is to quote, give them time to be bored. You know, I mean, it really, there is this idea that we're setting their schedule or picking their curriculum. And really there is a bit of sitting on your hands and letting them be inventive and creative and giving them time to, you know, be able to take charge um, and, and let them blossom in their own time as well. So good. Our next question here is one about curriculum. Okay. And Diane asks, how hard is it to switch curricula mid-year? Um, she gives a, a whole detailed description about things that she's used and she ha- hasn't yeah. used 
Um, I just wanted to get to the heart of that question of saying, you know, when do you switch curriculum? Is it a hard right. thing to do? And when should you do it? What's What are your thoughts on that, Maureen? Well, you know, I'm not a big fan of completely changing up the curriculum <laughs> mid-year, um, unless the current plan is really a complete bust. If it's really not working, the kids hate it, you hate it, um, it's not fitting that child's learning style or whatever, that's one thing. Um but if, if it's if it's working, but you're just not a big fan, you may want to just keep going till the year end, you know, and then and then spend that time once the year is ended, the school year has ended, to really reflect on okay, what worked, what didn't work, and then you know maybe even try if you want to change up the plan. That way you have summer to kind of try things out, um, make sure that it is a good fit for your family. Um, if you need to switch, all right, so like Elizabeth's saying, I just switched high school biology was the best move. So yeah, mm-hmm. if, you, if it is a bus and you got to change now, um, maybe just take a little longer Christmas break to give yourself time to review and adjust. Yeah. Um, yeah. Susie yeah. says I, here I, too. I mean, yeah. I'm not a big switcher, but one time she just had to do it. It was taking over our lives. Right. That's true. You may right. be signed up for too many online courses or even like, even with yeah. us, we found um, extracurricular activities. Sometimes we just realized, oh my gosh, that's leading our curriculum. That's leading our lives. And right. that's, yeah. And sometimes you have to have the courage to do that and right. say, this isn't the direction that we want to be going in and we need to make a change. So once again, take it to the blessed sacrament, you know? Yes. yes. Well, I do have a practical thing. Um, a tip that I've used over and over again, it's this one thing I call one goal per year per child. And it's kind of that centering idea. And I'm going to, again, on the replay, I have a little, um, just a PDF that people can use. And what it does is it really tells people to, um, to focus on one goal per year where you want to see growth. And, um, you always go back to that form. And when you go back to that form, um, then you know that uh, you can align your curriculum to that. So yeah, good, very good advice. Um, are you? Can you guys still? Oh, we just lost Paula for a second. Oh, there you are. You go. <laughs> can you hear me now? Here you go. And then we thought Maureen's was going to be out. I am yeah, so I, I was the problem at the beginning and then, you know, but now I'm the problem <laughs> child. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I was talking about the one goal per year per child. I don't know how much yeah, we got, got that. that. We, we were able <laughs> okay, to do that. Good. But that's when I say sometimes just remind yourself what's the goal. And if, yeah. you know, if it's one of the secondary things, you know, drop it, change it up. But if it's the main thing, you know, you really need to focus on that main area of growth. So good. Yeah. All righty. Good. Um, another question here was on at the start of the new year, they will have early teens, 13. This is from chat um, and tweens, 11 year old triplets. Yay. Oh my, my gosh. Right. No <laughs> little ones to consider. I'd like to make these years with them more memorable in our homeschool and in our relationships in general. Life right now is so sweet with a sprinkling of sour when the mood kicks in. What would be your top three must-have tips for moms with these tweens ages? So, I mean, I think we've touched upon a few things, but go ahead, Maureen. You got some ideas on that? The um, well, first, I love she says, I just have a 13-year-old and 11-year-old triplets. 
I just have, <laughs> you know, just, you, yes. you hang up in the, you hang out at the Catholic homeschoolers for is just, that's right, a lot. Right. Um, I used to have a neighbor with, she, they had three kids in one year. They had one and then twins 11 months later. And <laughs> she was, oh, how do you handle seven kids? I'm like, how do you handle three in one year? <laughs> Mine are spread right. out. It's easy. Um, oh my gosh. And, you know, she's asking how to make that memorable. That is just memorable in itself. What a fun house that must be. Um, I would take lots of pictures you know, the kids, uh, one thing I used to do when the kids were little, because I was always so worried about, um, you know, someone coming to my house and saying, you know, you can't homeschool or whatever. <laughs> always take pictures of all the projects they would take, they would make, you know, all the little Lego things and, and, um, mm -hmm. and how fun now to look back on those. And I saved, you know, their little drawings they would do and we would do, um, um, you know, when I would tell a story, they would retell the story and draw a picture. Uh, but yeah, I would take lots of pictures. I think one thing you could do if you want to create memories is um, mm -hmm. my kids for Christmas every year, my, some, a couple of my adult kids, there are all these programs out there where you can uh, make booklets and they're not that expensive. They do like a little hard covered book and it has pictures inside and you could do that for your children. That's something they can keep forever. And um, yeah, that's one thing I would do. Let's see, yeah. three top tips. What else? I mean, um, yes. <laughs> well, I know one of the things for the tweens that we would do in those years too was we actually, and this would happen right as we come off the Christmas, you know, holidays yeah. and, and, and we're getting, we're trying to get started again. And it's in here in Delaware, it's cold. Um, nobody really feels like getting back to school. We actually would take a break, almost like a pretend virtual trip. So one year we did the Lewis and Clark journey. You know, we just got everything Lewis and Clark. We even pitched a tent in the living room. Okay. So, you know, it, it was, we gave ourselves permission to do some of these things that were just off the main curriculum and we yeah. would focus on one topic that year. And those were the things that were tremendously memorable, as you said, very sweet. It's at the grades that they're not like going to roll their eyes and say, Oh mom, are we really doing a tent in the living room? They're really enthusiastic. I it so you can get them involved yeah the 11 year olds are probably still have fun making tents and forts and pillow mountains exactly. and in the living room and um, you know and, and going back to what we were saying before about a date night especially with triplets or twins when you have multiples like that to have some one-on-one -on -one time with just you I remember uh when my grandma passed away my dad uh saying in the eulogy that he said you know you know what's special about my mom was she had eight kids but you always felt like an only child Wow. Right. You just felt that individual love. Right. Yeah. So um, I think that would be a fun thing to do is maybe once a month, you have a date night with one child. Um, I always tried to do it once a week, but we never did once a week. <laughs> once <laughs> yes. every two weeks. Um, right. I would right. take one child out and have one-on-one -on -one time with that child. And they got to pick where we went. It just couldn't be a movie because I wanted us to mm -hmm. be interacting. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it was the coffee shop or the bookstore. Um, like just so, you know, for a walk in the park. That is the age that, um, you know, I was a big fan about, um, in our family, it was, uh, we did music, music lessons. And I'm not a big fan of just starting them really young, just a personal thing, starting them really young and forcing them to sit by the piano. Because I, I always saw that it was like, I'm just putting on more work on myself. So we really didn't start 
official music lessons until they were 11. And at that point, I let them even pick their instrument. And, and I know that maybe you can't get to music lessons, but I've seen some really, really amazing, powerful online tutorials, people that you get into a Zoom class and you can have music lessons. But I just have to say, you know, now that my kids are older, they were just pulling out all their instruments and the memories of my even just sitting in the room with them practicing with their teacher was was such a precious gift, but also gave them, they now play together. You know, um, my kids tended to all pick different instruments. So yesterday we had the coronet and the flute and the violin all trying to put together Christmas songs. So really, yeah, it was really great. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Susie and and Walter are putting some good suggestions in the chat box. Um, Check out the local museum. Susie, Mm -hmm. board games, like we, you know, the Whitman's. So when everyone's here for Christmas, you know, and all the kids are here, the board games come out, the cards come out, um, still as adult, as adults, that's a fun Oh, yeah. Thing, Game right? night is big here. That was part yeah. of our Advent. How do we make Advent special this year was to turn off the television well. and do official game night every Monday night. It's game nights. And it's, it's true. That's great. That is a yeah, great I'm gonna, idea. I'm going to read Walter's uh, suggestion real quick because he had just sent it to us. I thought he sent it to everyone else. It says, oh, check okay. if your local museum has something coming up and study on that subject before it comes, then go visit it. So, for example, once we were in yeah. St. Louis, the museum there had the Van Gogh. Um, display. So yeah, see what's coming up. And then you could do a little unit study and you finish it off by going to the right. museum and get a picture. Well, now, right friend. now, many of the museums are closed, but I, I know I have one of those daughters who was homeschooled doing her master's in history is uh, got an internship this summer and they are really doing these um, virtual gallery exhibitions and they're also doing workshops so in fact one of the places my daughter and I did a chocolate tastings from chocolates around the world you know and the chocolates got mailed to us and we were able to do this with this chef who's been this master you know so so a chocolatier and we learned all about how you really you know taste chocolates and the differences between them so those things you write museums are another really really great source of fun things to do together with your your kids and your tweens so right now virtual museums yeah okay so i have another one here about friendship uh this one's lee um i'm It's L-I-N-H, so please forgive me if I didn't say your name properly. It says, for me, I'm still back and forth between homeschooling and sending my kids to actual real school, okay? So it must be a newbie. Main reason is (laughs) friends. The social aspect that my kids are missing out on. I really want them to have friends outside the family, but I feel like I can teach them more at home. So is he missing out on making friends if he's homeschooled? Great question. he's not. (laughs) he's not at all my kids have my kids you know range from 18 to to 31 and their closest friends are today you know kids they were homeschooled with so you got to get into a community get into that local community I know it's hard right now with the pandemic but um find those local people and you know, maybe it's a park date where you can social distance and be safe, or maybe it's virtual for now. But um, go to your parish, ask the parish secretary, who are the homeschoolers? Uh, maybe Google your city and, um, you know, homeschool group, maybe search Facebook right here in the community, right? Yes. You 
Exactly. People, right? You can search the community for people who live near you. So yes. my, my kids always kid when everyone brings up socialization or like uh, we were too well socialized. <laughs> we probably spent too much time with friends because homeschooling takes less time. Um, you know, the academic part. Right. Because right. I don't have to manage a large classroom. So, you know, we had a lot of time for, we did shooting sports and, you know, there's all kinds of things that we did and clubs and groups. And our house was a house where everyone came and hung out right in the neighborhood. We, we had, we were that house. So gosh, we had, there's no reason your child has to be without friends and they may even have stronger friendships because they'll be able to connect with kids that um, not based on who's in his classroom, not based on, you know, their age or, or whatever, their, their neighborhood, you may be able to make friends with people you might not otherwise meet. So, yeah, you know, just go, go uh, to daily mass. I bet you'll meet some homeschoolers by going to daily mass, go to different churches every week. <laughs> yeah. You're so, I mean, about. Right. We always talk about, <laughs> and it's not, I always believe that we need to graduate, grad, um, kind of choose things to do out of love, not fear. And, you know, if homeschooling your children is, there's plenty to be afraid of, and there's good reasons to homeschool them out of the fears of today. But I'm saying it really ultimately has to be in love. And one of the things that was my my family's reason why to homeschool was, was really to simplify our lives and to have our children become each other's best friends. And we can't really downplay that a lot. You know, friends are going to come and go in your life. They really are. Uh, There are friends that we've made from homeschooling that are like cousins, you know, they're, they're part of our family. And it's true because the, they don't have that same kind of peer pressure. So there is this luxury of being able to really form real long lasting friendships. They've seen each other since they were little kids growing up through everything to the point of being in each other's, you know, weddings as, right. as in the bridal party. And just, um, I can't begin to say the, the joy of those friendships, but they weren't a lot of friends, you know, and, and we do have to, to qualify that, you know, is it about being the popular kid and having to have tons and tons of friends? Yeah. <clears throat> and then we're dealing with all those bad issues, you know, then we're dealing with things instead of this idea of saying, I have these beautiful gifts that are on loan to me, these precious children that are so unique, how is it that we can rejoice and savor our time together and be able to give them the opportunity to express it? And not necessarily with people that are their own age, you know, you're right. It can be a mix of ages. That's such a a more natural families, right? We're friends with families. It's like, you know, right. Cause we got together as families. So it's so different than a school setting where you're hanging out with yeah, 25 other people of the exact same age. You're hanging out with families. And those families were still close to and connected to. It's funny. I always thought these kids would grow up and marry one another. And they didn't. <laughs> yes. And it's because they're like, you know, when I brought it up once, my daughter was like, ooh, that would be like dating my brother. My brother, now, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these yes. homeschool kids were so close to one another. Right. It was like right. siblings. And um <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's very true. But, but I love that, Maureen. Defined siblings are defined spouses. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about them as families, and that's really it. It's the domestic church. You know, God in His beautiful plan has really put that together for us. And and I don't 
really think it's natural to say that we're, we have to separate into these other groups. I mean, as a family, they'll naturally gravitate with some of the little kids will bunch together and the middle ones will bunch together, but then sometimes they float between both, you know, and you see the little guy is just, you know, clinging on the leg of the, the 16 year old. So it, it really is this idea of family friendships. I think that's yeah. beautiful, Maureen. That's really, Oh yeah. Great. Well, and we busy Susie said in here, they had, they created their own support group 26 years ago, and now it's huge, tons of homeschoolers out there. Um, yeah. and three of her kids married homeschoolers. <laughs> so They're from other homeschool groups. Yes. <laughs> it's so great. My oldest yeah. son married a homeschooler, but she's from a completely different city. <laughs> wow. Right. So. Right. So let me see. I think there was one more question I wanted to get. This one from um, Nicole. She says, any tips on how to make yourself get it done instead of being distracted by other things? You know, how to keep homeschool as a top priority when there's so much else that needs your attention. She has nine children, husband, home, extended family, activities, holiday. <laughs> Long list, right? right? Yes. So accountability, I would say, you know, you can do one of two things. You know, I had friends, we held each other accountable in our homeschool group, you know, so you're checking in on each other. Um, the, the other option is a homeschool coach or counselor. So for example, Paula does homeschool coaching. Um, Susie Lloyd, who's, who's also here tonight, does homeschool coaching or counseling. And if you have to report to that person, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. you're going to stop and think, I need to get this done. You're, you're going to have that motivation. And that's my advice is just to have someone who you're really connected to and, and you're helping each other. So, you know, if it's a local friend, you're helping one another and yeah. keeping each other accountable. And when you're having a bad day, you call that friend and say, you know, walk me yes. through this or I'm really stressed. I, out. I'm not getting it done. And they can give you a little advice or calm you down. Um, you know, when, when you're, Nicole mentioned in there that you're saying keeping school as the top priority. And, you know, that's to me was the key of that was that in the sense of is that, you know, need to be the top priority at this precise moment. So it's sort of, you know, a balance of really kind of every day intentionally saying what is the top priority um, of what I'm going to do today. And wasn't it? Um, Maureen, I think you told me the story or no, I think it was um, Nancy. That was it. Was it Nancy? Anyway, I heard the story about somebody who had a lot of children and basically the wife had, you know, said to her husband, you, I can do two things today. Oh yeah. Yes. Right. I can either, you know, clean the house. Wasn't it that one? Or, you yep. know, you I can know, clean the house, I can educate the kids. I can make a nice meal. Pick two. Pick two out of those. Yeah. I can do all three. Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. So it was you, Maureen. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think a lot of us tell that story. I think a lot of us <laughs> come, come to that realization because I've heard other people yeah. say it too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I love that accountability, realistic priorities is, and then also it's just the idea, again, I get back to that whole thing, one goal per child per year. And, and really in the sense that you're always keeping focused on the most important things because there's always going to be distractions out there. There is no doubt, no matter what. And the other thing is to plan for derailments. You know, you have to, it's like, don't be surprised that there's distractions. You know what I mean? It's almost like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm going to be distracted today. So therefore... <laughs> 
Just accept it. One thing that I did in my homeschool is I found that if we did homeschooling events in the morning, um, school didn't happen because we'd get home in the afternoon and then I'd start tidying up and getting dinner going. And and so one thing that I did that kept me on track was we only did outside activities after lunch. So it was like, okay, if we're going to go to Book Buddies today and everyone loved Book Buddies, then we got to get our work done before we go. And that's what kept me in line because I found um, otherwise, yeah, school didn't happen right. a lot. <laughs> it's so, true. And so it's like you're setting yourself up for failure if you're not being true. Know thyself, know my children. That And it, it's very true. If you're everybody's going out of the house for an activity, chances are you're not going to come back and do a lot of schoolwork. Well, and think about how much work it takes to leave the house. You got to get all the kids dressed and you get all these kids dressed and then you get those kids dressed and then those kids have taken off their clothes or their shoes or, you know, getting them all out and dressed. And, and um, so make sure when you're going out, you're getting a lot done when you go out and that you really do need to go out. You know, it's nice to go out for a rosary with the group, but maybe that day you need to just do a rosary as a family because exactly it's just, that goes back into my tip of sticks, you know, get on the no train. And it's that idea again. And and if you want follow through, you really have to decide and to decide means you're going to cut something out. That's just the way it is. And, and, and yet that's not a problem. It's almost like, okay, you're giving yourself the focus that that particular item or task or priority, whether it's that we need to be homeschooling, we really not need to get Uh, intentional about learning some particular subjects or intentional about, you know, getting out and starting music lessons or being a part of a book group, making sure that those priorities that you pick are intentionally going to see growth for those particular children, but that also you're not overtaxing yourself. Exactly. Good. Susie jumps in, says, yes, St. Francis de Sales said, expect things to go wrong. (laughs) Yes, they do. Well, Maureen, we're like kind of now at the today. top of the hour. Um, anybody else got a, another question? Otherwise, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think this is good. Super, super. I really want to thank everybody for joining in. Um, no, this is just going to be um, every Thursday in the community. We will be running live events of a variety, either inviting people that have you know, um, something to share. For example, we had Kendra Tierney came in to talk about the liturgical year. We had Nancy talking about um, how to make Advent special this year. Um, Next week, we're going to have Dominic D'Souza, one of our partners for the Catholic Homeschool Conference, talking about an Emmanuel Fair. So this is something that, you know, we as Catholics know Christmas doesn't end on Christmas Day. It just (laughs) begins. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, he's got this wonderful fair virtually. That's something that families can do, join in. It's going to be a way to continue. (coughs) Please join us at the Catholic Homeschool Community. And that website is catholichomeschoolcommunity.com. You can reach us at Catholic 
homeschoolconference.com. You'll see, uh, again, we're starting to put together a schedule for the big conference coming up next year. We have a lot of really great things coming up in 2021, but we want to hear from you. So please shoot us an email at any point to let us know how we can be of service, what we can bring to you to make your homeschool life joyful and faith-filled. I want to thank you, Maureen. It's always such a delight. You and thank you, together. Walter. Walter, behind the scenes. Yay! Thank you. Keep us running. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us. May you have a blessed Advent. May you have a blessed uh, feast of Our Lady Guadalupe that's coming up on Saturday. Take care. Blessed Advent. May God bless you. Bye. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night.